there, it's me, your money. And welcome to Tandia Talks Money. They say money talks, and it is true, I do. And I also like to work hard. They say it builds character, but it also builds TFSAs and RRSPs, which is why every week Tandia will share new ideas, tips, and wisdom from Tandia's finest to help you get to where you want to go. You know, with a little help from me, of course. Like, who else? Welcome to my Delilah moment. Now, you might be thinking I'm going to break out in a song that will be stuck in your head forever. You know, like, why, 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 Delilah? Or maybe you were thinking it was going to be the, hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? Well, both. Both are great songs. I'm not actually referring to a song. Let's just go back in time a little bit. Who remembers the days where we like exclusively just listened to the radio? Because, you know, there was no Spotify or Sirius XM in the car. And like the real struggle was waiting to hear the song that you requested like eight hours ago. And you're like laying on your bedroom floor beside your boombox, just like ready to press record to create that best mixtape ever so you could replay the songs that you love. I mean, we, we've advanced. We've advanced so far. We, we moved to CDs, then like CDs in your car, then the auxiliary cord, and like look at us today. But there was a point in time where it was just all about the radio. And who can forget that iconic nighttime voice, the radio host Delilah, who I think, I think based on my quick Google search, is still on air, on air. But tell me, you remember her. Like she took calls from her listeners as they opened up their heavy hearts, their hopes, and the most important people in their lives. Just They just poured their heart out and asked these questions. And she would tell these callers that they're loved. And then she plays them a song. A love song needs a lyric that tells a story. That's what she would say. And it like just, it touches your heart and like it either makes you laugh or makes you cry. Well, I asked and you guys opened up your heavy hearts to me. Okay, maybe, maybe not heavy hearts, but you, you asked me some questions. I do leave you with a song or two. So yes, yes, today is my Delilah moment. Now my voice or the songs that I leave you with, like probably also make you laugh or they might make you cry with how terrible my singing is. But like, I'm here today to listen and answer your questions. So we asked you to ask us anything and you came through. So today's episode, we're going to answer some of those burning financial questions you had. I'm not going to go through all of them because I got to save, I got to save some for a future episode. But I'm going to go through some that were asked of us and I'm going to answer these questions for you because maybe you are thinking about these exact same questions and you are just thinking in your head, I wish she just talked about this. So let's go through what our first question is. First question from our first caller. See, that's my Delilah. It's my Delilah moment. Is there a rule of thumb of how much I should be saving each month and which savings account? is best. So I think the best, most efficient and like quickest answer is saving anything is better than nothing. There is no set amount that you should be saving or need to be saving a month. But 
you know, if you're only saving the $10 a month of pay, that's still better than nothing. So cut yourself some slack. There's no magic number. However, a great way to start is by following maybe the 50-20-30 budget approach. So you divide your income into 50% for essentials, housing, grocery, utilities, you know, the, the necessities, 20% for your financial goals, paying down debt, saving for retirement, saving for a big purchase, 30% for flexible spending. That pretty much is pretty great, right? That's where your entertainment, shopping, vacations, eating out. So when you think about how much you should be saving each month and you take 20% of your monthly income, you minus out what needs to go to paying down your debt and what are you left with? So maybe you are left with 1%. That's okay. If 19% of that is going towards paying down financial debt, maybe that means you take a little bit from that 30% of flexible spending and you add that to your 20% for your financial goals. So the method helps you keep it easy. It helps you allocate to different areas, gives you a little bit spending allowance, but it's all up to you and what your financial goals are. How do you reallocate some funds if you're you're feeling like you're not putting enough into savings? But saving anything is better than nothing. So start small and it helps you build into the bigger accounts or just review your finances and see if there's something that you can take from your flexible spending and move over to your savings account. And now you also ask, which savings account is best? So in terms of what account is best, always look for a high interest savings account to start. It's better than having funds and sitting in a checking account or a low yield savings account. It still allows you to keep your funds accessible and allows you to build some interest. And then from there, you can build upon this. You can move some into an investment. You can move some into a tax-free savings account or an RSP. But if you're just starting out and you're just looking to like get some savings going, start with the high interest savings account. Okay, Delilah moment one, nailed it. Number two, which budgeting apps do I recommend? Ideally, free ones. Okay, so when it comes to budgeting apps, there are many different types that can help you to achieve your goals. There are many different methods out there to help you to achieve your goals, but we're going to just stick to the question and talk about apps. So whether you hope to get out of debt, save for a specific goal, or you just want to feel like you're like in control of your finances, there's likely an app to help you succeed. Uh, The best ones do it in a variety of tasks. So like there's, there's an app out there. Isn't that like our new saying? My mom just actually texted me today and said, um, is there an app that makes me look thinner in my pictures? And my response was, I think there is, but do not think that if there was, I'd be using it. I mean, there probably is Photoshop. I just don't really know how to use it, but there probably is an app for that, but that's not my specialty. So I've recently done some research on types of apps out there to keep things easy for you to help you budget for your household expenses. Now, some apps tap into all your accounts to map out your entire financial universe, and then some, and based on how much money you have and your past spending behaviors, helps to like automate and design a budget for you. Now, there are ones out there that help you with overspending. These apps help you hone in on money that you have and then show you precisely what you're spending it on so you never have to go ask yourself, like, Where, where's all my money? Where'd my cash go? There's some to help you get out of debt and these apps carefully monitor how much you owe and suggest manageable repayment plans based on your income, spending, and saving needs. 
Now, a great Canadian app that is free is Mint. It's so Mint, bro. Yo, like, do you remember? That was like, I don't, that just came to me. That was really ad-libbed there, but that was a great word to use. But I'm not referring to that, that, that term that we'd be like, Mint. No, I'm just referring to the app. This app collects all of your accounts from cash to credit to loans and investments. And you can see your complete financial picture. It also allows you to easily track your cash flow. It helps you stay on top of your accounts, your bills, and subscriptions. Because that is one feature that I love. You get notified when your subscription costs increase and when bills are due. Like, you can't get any better than that for an app. Now, I also mentioned there are apps out there to help you get out of debt, grow your savings. There's even one to help you rebuild your credit. Now, there's a great app called Coho. It's pretty simple. You add funds to your Coho account. So you just either like send yourself an e-transfer from your existing bank account. You can actually even have your payroll deposit go in, like your paycheck, like a direct deposit. But then you use your Coho card. It's like a debit card or credit card in person or online to make purchases just like you would with any old debit or credit. Finally, you can use your Coho app to look at your spending and saving habits and create an easy to execute savings goal. Now, the feature that I really, really love about Coho is there is a credit building component. And as the name implies, this feature builds your credit history in six months. So for $7 a month, so like you subscribe to their credit building in app to ensure there's like you make sure there's $7 in your spendable account. So like transferring it or I think you can even set up like transfer over $60, then you hit the credit rebuilding port and then it spends this for the next six months. So it kind of like creates that positive repayment history and they report your progress to the major credit bureau. So it rebuilds your credit over this time, but it's all just like your own liquid cash. You're not relying on credit. You're not stuck in any sort of subscription or contract or anything. You literally just, you know, transfer over the $60 to your Coho card, hit the credit rebuilding, and then it does it for you. So how great is that? So these are great features. These are great things to know and learn about, and they're all available to you. So there's also features if you're not into apps or you're not doing anything like that, like within your own banking system, there is sometimes like an automated kind of spreadsheet that will happen and say like, look, you're spending too much on this, this, like on food this month, maybe curb your spending. Um, like maybe you're eating out too much. Don't, don't not eat. But there's lots of different things out there. And as I always say, like, you just got to find what is going to work best for you. I'm not saying like, you know, mint is the Mint app for you. Um, I don't know, but try it out, see if it works. And maybe you're just not an app person and you need to put pen to paper. That's okay too. But that's my answer for that. Okay, now we're getting into some some deep, deep ends. This, this, is, this is a Delilah question. So as couples, how should you split your finances? Any bank account suggestions? Now, I'm going to leave you with a love song. No, I'm not. I'm really not. But that just seemed like what Delilah would say. But I really do love this question because being in a relationship, like, let's be real. It's hard enough sometimes. Okay. Like, you know, you you put the, the dish soap sponge, you left it in the sink. Like those problems are real. Those problems are real in a relationship, let alone problems about money. 
when you bring money into it, there's always, you know, there's always one in the relationship that's the saver. The other one is the spender. I'm the spender. One maybe a little bit more conservative. The other is maybe a little bit more into taking risks. I'm the risk taker. Um, but, you know, we all think our way is the best way. It's because it is. Like, my way is the best way. But it's not always the best way. But so my number one tip when it comes to finances and money and how you should split your finances, there is no one right way. That's great advice, right? I really didn't answer that, but I hope I did. When it comes to your finances and a relationship is communication. Like have the hard talk. It sounds like it's an easy thing to do, but life gets in the way, gets busy. And it's not something we actually sit and often talk about with our spouse. And it's a very, very important, important thing in a relationship because often or not, I've seen people go down a path where they're they're hiding things from their spouse or they're not fully open about what they're spending or they feel like they can't spend because their spouse is going to get upset and the other spouse is thinking like, oh, they're just spending like crazy and we're not saving anything. So it is so important to talk about what your financial goals are as a couple. And then from there, then you talk about how do we split our money for bills? Like, are is it better for you to have two accounts? Are you guys both on the same page? Does one want to have their mortgage paid off in like 10 years and one want to put a pool in because, you know, they want to enjoy time with their kids? Like, you need to come to an agreement together because talking about it and coming up with a plan together helps you execute that plan together because you know, what happens more often than not is one may have a point as to why they want to have this plan in place and pay down their mortgage in 10 years. But, you know, the other spouse's points may be valid as well and say, you know, I want to put a pool in because, you know, our kids are young. I want to enjoy this time with them. We don't really go on vacations. So maybe it's maybe it's better to like take the extra three to five years to pay down the mortgage. So Maybe there's a compromise in between. Who knows? But you're not going to know unless you talk about it. Instead of not talking about it, you just go with one way and the other side feels a little bit resentful. So it is okay, like through this communication channel that we're going through when we talk about our finances, it is okay to agree to disagree about some things. There is room for more than one attitude about money in a marriage, right? Or money in a relationship. And it's important to recognize that both your viewpoints are valid. You don't have to see eye to eye on everything, but you need to respect your partner's feelings about money. Otherwise, you won't be able to come up with that plan that you're both comfortable with. But having like open and honest lines of communication, it really allows you to express like what you want and what you're able to come up with a plan together. And maybe your plan is like having a separate account for each of you so you can have that free spending feeling or if the other one wants to save every little penny they have, that's totally fine. And then maybe you both put your money into a joint account. That's okay. Maybe it means you just have one joint account. That's okay too. But you need to find what is going to work best for you as a couple. And you're only going to find that out by discussing what your goals are, what you expect of each other, what you want to freely do. Like if my husband said, um, started like counting, I mean, he does, he sees the like 
any credit card purchase we make. It's fine. And he thinks like everything is unnecessary, which that's also fine because, you know, at the end of the day, I can be the spender and he, you know, reins me in. It's good. I recognize this about myself. But if he ever told me like, no, don't buy that, like I would like probably be like, no, I'm going to go buy 10 now just because you told me not to. But we're open and honest about it. He knows that about me. He knows things that, you know, I feel like I need to do. And I know things and respect things that he needs to do. So it's important to be open and honest about the communication part of it. Because when you don't have that part, that is when the issues do arise and become hard. Because, you know, maybe I've seen it. Like people come in and say, hey, um, okay, but I lent like $40,000 to my my brother and my husband doesn't know. Like those those are major financial decisions and as a couple you need to make them together and be okay with making it together because or else it can just lead to a little bit more resentment and hurt in the long run. Again, easier said than done, but small steps, right? Think of everything in a small step because if not it can just become very overwhelming and if you need help talking about these things, go see an advisor, go see somebody at the bank and they'll help kind of be your mediator in between. Okay, well, that was a real Delilah moment. No, like, I hope you guys are really remembering Delilah. And I'm just not talking about some random thing in my head. Like, was this some I hope this was a real thing. She's still on. It is a real thing. I googled it. This is not like a Mandela effect thing. So we're gonna move on to the next question. Next question. Is it true there is a new TFSA coming out for the first time home buyers in Canada? If so, how do you properly use it? So while there hasn't been a lot of information shared about this yet, what this question is referring to is the tax-free first home savings account. Guess what, guys? There's another acronym. I don't even know how to say it yet. Like, are we saying like FISHA or is it is it an FHSA? I don't really know, but we're just going to say the FHSA is a new account that was introduced in the 2022 federal budget, and it is set to be available to Canadians in 2023. So we have not had a lot of information shared with us in, in terms of like what a financial institution knows yet about it. But from what I understand, it basically provides first-time homebuyers with a savings account that combines the tax benefits of a tax-free savings account and a registered retirement savings plan. So it is an initiative set out by the federal government to help Canadians purchase their first home. Those using the account can save up to a maximum of $40,000 to be used towards the purchase of a single-family home. There is a limit of $8,000 a year that you can contribute to the account. Unused contributions carry forward similar to the TFSA and RSP contribution space does. So here's the example that I found. If you contributed a 5000 one year, you'd have 11000 contribution room available the next year. The carry forward option is a recent announcement, apparently, as originally you could not carry things over. So since this is a tax-free account, you won't pay any taxes on capital gains or interest earned. In addition, any contributions you make to the account are tax deductible. So basically, from what I understand, this account essentially combines the benefits of an RSP and a TFSA. 
you also don't need to pay back any funds withdrawn from your tax-free first home savings account. However, once you've made a withdrawal to purchase a home, you need to close your tax-free first home savings account within a year from the first withdrawal. So it seems pretty great. Seems pretty simple. I'm excited to see what this has in store for our generation looking to purchase their first home. And I'm looking to hear some more information. So maybe we do another podcast about this in the next coming months when we get a little bit more information about it. But pretty great, right? Okay, let's go to our next question. How will we know if we are in a recession? Now, we recently chatted about this on other podcasts. So if you'd like a little bit more information on recessions and inflations and things like that, please go back and listen to them. But I would say the common rule for knowing you are in a recession is at a time when the GDP falls for at least two consecutive quarters. So again, a recession refers to a time when the economy shrinks instead of grows. And a quick recap of what GDP stands for is a gross domestic product. So it measures the size of an economy. Think of it as putting a dollar sign on all the goods and services that a country produces in a given year and or period. By tracking a country's GDP, it tells us two things. One, the overall size of the country's economy. And two, whether the economy is growing or shrinking and at what rate. Therefore, in good times, GDP would be increasing at a steady pace, which is called expansion. You know, people can find jobs corporations turning profits and typically the market is rising. If it is decreasing, obviously we're the opposite of that. So I don't think there's a real like, you know, tomorrow they're going to wake up and be like, we're in a recession. But if you follow the news and you see what's happening, you keep up with the inflation costs, pay attention to kind of the September 7th announcement, there may be another rate hike. Um, But all of these factors go towards moving into a recession. But the rule of thumb is when GDP falls for at least two consecutive quarters. So that is how you will know. Okay, our last question. Why choose a credit union over one of the conventional banks? So I love this question. And I'm going to, you know, drop a little hint. But in October, There is a special day on the third Thursday, I believe it is, that it is Credit Union Day. So just a heads up that October's podcast may be filled with what a credit union is and the benefits of a credit union. But I will go into like a quick little recap of why choose a credit union over a bank. Number one, we're the greatest. That's that's it. That's all I'm going to have to say about that. But no, I'm joking. Like my best explanation is we are just like a bank, but you own us. So credit unions, you know, we typically offer lower fees, higher savings rates, and we provide a more like hands-on personal approach to our members, not customers, because you are an owner. So you as a member of the credit union pay a member share. It stays in your account. It doesn't go anywhere, but it allows you to have a vote and say on how we run our business. So what that means is instead of it being like a bunch of shareholders that you never, ever see, and they're like sitting in these big boardrooms making decisions, you as a member have a right and vote and say on how we operate our credit union. So 
My easiest explanation is we at Tandia, for example, went through a merger about eight years ago. I should know this number. But in order to move through with this amalgamation of two separate credit unions, both credit unions membership had to vote in favor of that. So, I mean, major decisions like that are run through our membership. Not only do they have a voice in how we operate our business, but they do earn a profit share back. So what that means is at the end of the year, when we look at our profits, we pay them back to our memberships. We try to make all of our community efforts go right back into the direct communities in which we live and work. And we do really offer a more personalized service for you. So which I think some of the big FIs, not to name any names, are really trying to model that now. So we pride ourselves on that. We know that you're, you know, Susie from down the street and you came in and we're here to help you and we're here to help kind of guide you through your financial picture as opposed to trying to just fit you into this box that maybe you don't really fit in because everybody's financial situation is unique. And we understand that. And we really do try to work with that. But hopefully this episode was good and you got your question answered here because ultimately we want to help foster financial literacy in our community. And we understand that by having an understanding of your financial picture really helps empower you to make better financial decisions and have a positive relationship with money. We want you to recognize your worth, help you enjoy life to its fullest, and have the experiences you've always wanted to do. Because what fun is it if you can't? We are here for you. We encourage you to get in touch at any time. We'd love to answer some more questions about your finances and these burning questions that are keeping you up at night. I'm happy to be Delilah. Maybe I'll have my own radio show one time and it'll just be like Carla, who obnoxiously sings on the mic. But after all, at Tandia, we really do pride ourselves that your voice is the most important one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope today you found some value. Share these podcasts on your channels, snap a photo, tag us, and help us get the word out. Don't forget, you can always connect with us at Tandia.com. Catch you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know about you, but I feel smarter already. Remember, Tandia is here to help. If you found this podcast helpful, please let us know. Got feedback? Want to learn more? Just head to Tandia.com. Tandia, as unique as you.